Hello everybody and welcome to episode 4 of season 2 of the Biff Rugby League podcast. This has been a fantastic first three episodes we've just, we've had. Um, so before we like get into anything, I just want to thank everyone for downloading, following and listening on your what, whichever platform it is you listen on. Um, the numbers have been outstanding and they should be up on social media today. If you haven't seen them yet, then just reply to this um, on the tweet and say, where are these figures? We want to see them because the, f- the last three episodes we've done have been bigger and better than any other one we've done so far so massive thank you to everyone for the support um it's been a busy week isn't it lads it's been a lot on um i don't really know where to start apart from how are you both like we do every week much better than i was last week thanks for asking <laughs> yeah i'm i'm good it's been an exciting week aren't it and some uh, really fantastic performances that i'm still buzzing about and uh, and I actually got my first taste of Super League action for this year. I managed to go all the way over to Warrington to watch them demolish and embarrass Leeds in front of a pretty well um, packed out Halliwell Jones with live music, which is something else some other clubs have um, provided in the first round as well. Yeah, it's, a lot of clubs have done that, haven't they? Um, which has been pretty good. Um, and we'll obviously we'll, we'll probably get into that when we discuss the round one games and everything. Toby, how have you been this week? Have you kept yourself busy? I know you're waiting for pancakes, so we will we will go quick. Hey, so if um, if the rugby league season, well, if the super league season hadn't started this weekend, and if Saint Helens hadn't gone down under, and um, well, we'll get on to it but did what they did, then the best thing to have happened this week was me discovering a golf documentary on Netflix that's made me interested in golf. However, there is a sport better than golf called Rugby League, and it had a really, really good weekend. Um, I think that um, most of the results actually promoted Super League quite well. There's quite a lot to break down. I think there's a lot of... I think we're starting to already see where we were right and where we were wrong from our preview. Um... And yeah, excited to get into this week and really, because I've really focused on where teams can improve and where teams are already thriving um, in my analysis of the highlight packages, which Super League, you, you didn't get the Warrington Leeds one out very quickly, but since then you've been on it and I, and I thank you for that. Yeah, you tweeted, you, you messaged in the group, oh, I tweeted Super League and they were right on it. I was like, they definitely didn't just do it because you asked them to. <laughs> <laughs> but but like you said, they've been quick. After every other game, they were they were on it, and you were able to do those um, those threads on Twitter. And like, if if people listen haven't seen them, haven't read through them, follow us on Twitter at the Biff Podcast. Check out Toby's threads because I yeah. do, I don't I think of a game like on the spot like like oh they should have done this they should have done this but then you go back and watch it again and you see totally different things and the threads really help you understand the game as a whole, especially for like those that maybe want to do like coaching or like younger players looking to what things not to do or to do um if you want to be a fullback don't watch richie myler that's my suggestion <laughs> um but we, we should probably start with the biggest news of the week and probably the best news for super league or rugby league in the northern hemisphere um st helens are the world champions like that was a cracking game like i just don't really know how to describe it but it was probably one of the best games of rugby league I've seen for a, for a, well since the World Cup, not including the World Cup. Let, let's say that's best one of the best club games of rugby league I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I, you it know, was it, was awesome. so good. it was so good that I woke up the missus fist pump in the air when uh, <laughs> Jack Wellsby scored his try at about quarter past seven in the morning. Um, it was a fantastic um, advert for the game as a whole. It was a fantastic indication of where St. Helens' levels at. Um, it's, it's it's left a few sour grapes in Australian mouths. I've seen a lot of people already defending Penrith because they didn't have this player or that player. But, you know, not knowing that St. Helens are in this game without their star halfback and game-winning drop goal kicker in their squad for most of last season. He didn't win them the grand final, but he blooming won them the World Club Challenge and that's how this game goes. It would be better if it was the end of the season, but is there any time? Honestly, no. Um, there's a lot 
that I could say about this game. But yeah, I think that St. Helens won the first 20 minutes, Penrith won the last 20 minutes, and in the middle, St. Helens won the forwards battle throughout the throughout the middle part of the game. And uh, yeah, they, they didn't let Penrith play the way they wanted to. They matched them physically. And um, yeah, I, I listened to an Australian podcast. They thought James Roby did an excellent job and they were comparing him to Cam Smith in the way that, you know, no hook has played as good against the Penrith Panthers since Cam Smith played against them in the grand final three years ago. I think that St. Helens are lucky they scored early on before Makinson went off with his um, head knock because I think that, you know, just the dynamism he brings forced Penrith's defence to stretch a bit more and they struggled more down that, you know, St. Helens... I found that weakness on the right edge of, you know, having so many elusive runners. And once Makinson went off, it became a bit easier for Penrith. And I think the score could have been, Saints could have scored more if Makinson didn't go off. Um, but they did really well. Their goal line defence was fantastic. It was phenomenal. Um, can't be praised enough about that. And there was a lot of players who we think couldn't do it on the world stage, but kill it in Super League, who, who turned up um, on this occasion. Um, Johnny Lomax being one of them, Mark Percival being one of them. Um, you know, some players really, really showed that we've perhaps even us Super League fans have been saying, well, they're a very good Super League player, but it's because they're in the Saints team and they're in the system now. You know, they outperformed players who we all think are the best, some of the best in the world um, on this occasion, and it was fantastic to see. Yeah, it was, and you mentioned it there. Look, we've managed to watch some players that didn't weren't able to do it on the on the World Cup stage due to injury. Saints, those Saints players that were there, Lomax, Percival, Dodd, Wormsley. A question for you, Robin, because I think you watched a, a lot of more of the England games than myself and Toby. Those mm. four players in that England team, different World Cup, isn't it, for England, I think. Just the way they played against Penrith yesterday. Yeah, it is. And I, yeah, and, but I, I kind of feel like there's something about Saints where... Um, Together they are better than the sum of the individual parts. They are like just they play so well together. They've had so much success together that like I, I kind of feel like Saints would beat England. Do you know what I mean? It, I know it's obviously impossible because they're not the same players, but they they just they just know exactly what to do. Every single player, um, and you saw it against Penrith. Every single player did exactly what their role was, and yeah. they did it did it well it, it was it's just awesome I love it so much and I just think yeah like yeah like enjoy it but also like how can we how can we maximize on this like from an English point of view yeah like how can we make sure that like what Saints have managed to achieve and capture and, and keep behind them for so long like how can we spread that out so that all the teams in the Super League are, are as strong and as well drilled as that, like they, they owe, well, they don't owe the game anything. But oh, we need it. We need to just tap into that. It would be awesome for England. Yeah, it really um, would. I like before we move on to sort of talking more about Saints. How nice was it to see Christian Wolf in that coaching box? Just after what he'd led them to, of three of the four grand finals in a row, he'd led them to, I believe. Um, Holbrook led them to the first one, didn't he? And then. Wolf went yeah. and led them to two, and now he was in the in the box with Paul Wellens on the day. Like this isn't a team. This this Saints team hasn't changed a lot. So Christian Wolf being in there is probably probably nice for for, for Wellens, wasn't it, to have him alongside him? Yeah, it was definitely um, it, well, it was definitely something that I like to see, just from the perspective of I hate how the World Club Challenge puts two teams against each other the year after they've been successful yeah. and I think we see that with Penrith in the respect of you know in a gritty game like this Villy Army Kikau was there out yeah. and like he would do something to get them out of this game to get them out of this game if he was there we don't know what the game would have looked like if these two played each other in their championship winning form although we know that Saints wouldn't have had Lewis Dodd um and what impact that could have made, you know. So there's all. I think there's lots of turning calls, but I think I like that from Christian Wolf because it did make me feel like he's gone and he's now won everything. Like he's gone and he's won his Super Leagues, but he's also taken like had that chance to take Saints to the world stage. And I listened to Paul Wellens um, um, on the Out of Our League podcast, and he's like, 
I didn't realise just how much that man loves Saint Saint Helens, and Crazy, you know how much he's also he spent he spent like four years under Holbrook and Wolf now, and he's seen exactly what's made both of them successful. He and he's ready to bring his own stamp, but also combine everything that he's learned in four years and the two incredible coaches. Um, so I think that it, like you know I think that me being hesitant about Saints after like last week. Now I'm all of a sudden going. Oh, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 just such a they're such a great team, and that Saints team from what was it 2017 to 2023? Maybe no, no, not 17. It would have been 2019, wouldn't it? 2019 yeah. to yeah. 2022. Those four years, like that team, the coaches, the coaching staff, not just the head coaches, but the coaching staff, the physios, that just the club from that era. And we don't know. It might happen again this year. It might we mentioned it last week? It might be five star. It might be five years in a row. And beating Penrith is not easy, even like you just say with the change in players. This is a this is a Hall of Fame team, isn't it, Robin? You, you mentioned was it? I don't know which one of you mentioned it, but it was Robin. Yeah, Robin. Yeah. This is we haven't mentioned the Biff Rugby Hall of Fame for a while, probably about a year now, because um, it was something we didn't feel like was was worthy of adding into every week. But this, but this this, this is this, this team it. is this, this team deserves to be in some yeah. form of Hall of Fame, and if they go and win two awesome this year, just to back it up, yeah, because it, it is actually incredible, like what this team's achieved. So I've actually took the stats back to 2018 because uh, that was obviously the year Holbrook took over. Hmm. Um, they took on a, a Ben Barber, who like lit up the Super League. So since 2018, they've won four Super League Grand Finals. They've been league leaders three times. They've won a Challenge Cup final. They've now won a World Club Challenge. They've had three young players of the years. Uh, Lee's once, Welby twice. Top point scorer, Tommy Makins, who shared that last year with Mark Sneed. Uh, top try scorer, again, Makinson in 2019. Barber in 2018. They had the Man of Steel in Barber in 2018. The Coach of the Year, Holbrook 2019. And... Out of the Super League Dream Team in the last um, five years, of the 65 players that have been picked, 24 of them have been Saints. That's 37 Dream Team. 37% of the Dream Team has been made up by St. Helens players over the last five years. Wow. Just remarkable stats. Just like, and, and the stats are one thing, but the, just the, the whole, the heart of that side. Um, everything about them is just like pure class and re like as time goes on who who knows what will happen this year we might we might be adding to those stats we might, this might be the end of it i but. genuinely think they are i mean we were questioning wigan we were questioning look we were looking at wigan we were looking at leeds and we we're like maybe it's the time that those two teams finally pressured saints again but the way they we will like we said we will get into it but they they didn't look up to scratch and we'll, we'll break them teams down in a bit the thing that got me was the fact that it was Golden Point. Um, and this is something, Toby, I think you wanted to talk about was you, you like this little debate about whether you want Golden Point for drop goals or you want Golden Try. Um, I, I don't know where you lay on this. I don't know what your opinion are, is on this. But explain, sort of, for those who aren't listening, what Golden, what were the, what were the difference between the two would, is and where you... Where your loyalties? Well, not loyalties, but where? What would you prefer out of those options? Yeah, so it's just um, like to be fair, I understand Golden Point within the reg within like you know the league season. Like you know, it's you either play a draw or one team can go and get the win, and it's you know you only play five or ten minutes, and you know if you can't get win after that, you call it a draw. You know, I, I get that. I'd like to see it done with point systems in terms of you get one point each for the draw and then an extra point for the team who wins golden point, I think, because um, because I think that golden point can sometimes be a little bit unfair. Um, I think, you know, obviously you've got to decide a winner, in especially in games like this somehow. And, you know, obviously, um, so you can't play, you don't want to have to play extra time. And if these teams are just going to slog each other for another 10, 20 minutes, then it's a bit like, oh, we've just... We've just caused twenty minutes more of muscle, uh, tired, you know, of muscle damage and tiredness and potential concussions that would just got us to the same result anyway. Yeah. So I think that there's got to be something where it's like next score wins. Um, for me, a golden point, you know, it's you can get somebody, you know, there's there's players, especially in the NRL, 
um, but also Tommy Makinson, who can kick 40, 50 metre um, drop goals. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost like if you have one of those players um, in Golden Point, you can receive the kicker off and you can go, you, you have to make 50 metres, oh, well, probably 40, 40, well, 60 metres probably, sorry, um, against a, a, a pack who's just played 80 minutes. You've got to run 60 metres, which is kind of about expected and average, isn't it? Like at that time of a game. Um to get up to your opponent's 40 um, and then take this super long range field goal, which, okay, yeah, there's not high chances on it, but it's the other team hasn't even had chance to get the ball in hand. They, you know, they haven't, um, you know, they, they could, they, you know, they've been knackered. You can't expect them to defend any better and they defended this whole game to keep you at a draw. And I think that in a big game like this, I'd like to see Golden try tried first, where, you know, a team has to score a try to win the game instantly. Yeah. Now, what, I think there's a lot of connotations that come with that, that it needs to be golden try extra time. So it needs to be the five minutes each way or dare I say 10 minutes each way. But I think nobody would go for, play welfare would never accept a hundred minute get no, like no, guarantee. No, no. You know. It's a long time, isn't it? Um, but what I would say with it is you can kick a drop goal and you don't, you can kick a drop goal, you can kick a penalty, but it won't end the game. You don't, if you, but if you score a try, like the, um, like the NFL rules. Yeah. If you, yeah. Yeah. If you score a try, you end the game. Um, but you, there's no excuse for you to kick off. I think in the NFL it's slightly different because in the NFL, you know, it's uh, you could you it's a lot easier to almost you get that same thing of like the other team hasn't really had chance to to have the ball. But it's they do if throw... it's if it's a touchdown, then they do. So if they score, like you said, if they score the if try, touchdown, it, the game's the automatically game's over. Won. But if it's a penalty, then the the team gets one go. Yeah. To go, oh, so yeah, they, field goal, they get one go, so they get they don't necessarily get one possession, but if it's a penalty, it goes till the end yeah. of the five minutes, sort of thing. Well, I think it's not as it's not as it's of, a faster game, isn't it? In rugby league, it's, it's I think as, the difference is obviously in the NFL is you kind of have that ability to throw forward, so you can technically yeah. kind of just like you know, you've got somebody who can constantly just move it forward like tiny amounts without and play really tactically, like you can just move three yards every single time yeah. for the whole overtime period and score your touchdown and not let the other team touch the ball. Not that that would happen often, but you can. I think in rugby, if you've let the team score 100 metres on a set against you, then you deserve to lose that game and golden try. Yeah, definitely. But I think, yeah. So for me, I think it's just, uh, it. Well, you know, what it effectively does is um, make sure that the team who, well, is it tries to get the team who's... Um, the best overall rugby team who have been trying to score, who you know, who wants to score tries, to or you know, because rugby's about scoring tries. We've won this game because of our ability to score tries, rather than saying, "Well, we won this game because we defended really well, and then we had a we had a guy who could kick a drop goal from further than their guy could." Type thing, which I don't think it's that big an issue. The more I'm sort of talking about it here, but I think it would just be nicer to know that the better rugby playing team one you know we we, we want an expansive game we want a high scoring game yeah. but the other thing is then is at the end of 10 minutes if or however long if the golden try hasn't been scored and nobody's kicked at any points either side you've then still got to go well do we go straight to do we now play golden point or do we now go to kicking field you know kicking penalties up between the post effectively yeah, yeah i get you and yeah. I think that's then the hard bit where it's like because you could just end up going bringing all these games instead of getting winners on the rugby pitch you're getting winners from who's got the most kickers in the team now yeah. so yeah. i feel like for me it's like if golden point is the thing that's going to stop having to go to you know it's, it's gonna keep us actually having a team winning during 13 v 13 then it's going to be the best but i would like to see golden try trialed at somewhere maybe like the ncl or something yeah that'd be that'd Just, be nice to see or like or like in the cup, like something in the cup, because obviously you're going to have to have extra time in the cup. Um, mm. And instead of golden point, you could just use that in the cup as a as a something slightly different. Um, I don't I don't know how it would how you'd work it in, but I like the idea of if a team scores a try, they automatically win because they deserve to win. But if they get a penalty or a drop goal, you keep playing until the end of maybe that five mm. minutes or the end of that ten minute period. If it's a ten minute period, but I quite like that. I, I like it too, and I see like I see the pros and cons of each one, but I just think there's something 
there's something really valuable about a player that can kick a, a drop goal under those those conditions. And quite often, I think you see that this is a, a broad generalization, but a lot of the times that the the halfbacks or whoever who can kick those goals under pressure or make the field goals generally aren't also amazing runners of the ball and stuff like that. They're kind of much more of that, more like skillful, um, but maybe a lighter kind of player. And so it's kind of that thing of like, really, no coach is going to say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to kick this like 100% awesome field goal. I'm going to pick them for the um, chance that we might make golden point. But as the game goes on, you look to these players for that very special moment, that very special requirement. Yeah. And it's kind of that like gamble that you know no coach is going to take. So actually, when the when the time comes, I think there's a, there's a lot to be. That's where those players get to shine, you know. Yeah. Big big massive forwards they get to shine in, you know, ten meters out from the try line. Wingers get to shine on the kick returns. That's the place for for these like skillful halves, and you know they might be fullbacks or whatever. But I think there's I think it would be a shame to to like undervalue the skill of, of being able to kick goals like that under pressure. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's... But I still like, I do like the, um, you know, add, the goal, okay, it adds to the score, but it doesn't stop the clock, whereas a try would end the game. That That's pretty cool. Yeah. So long as you, so long as they've not scored um, six drop goals, then it gets... <laughs> confused, yeah, then it's just like, well, what's going on here, sort of thing. But no, I get, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, we we should probably move on to Super League because it, it kicked off and we did our predictions and I think we got a few teams. I don't know, maybe we underestimated a few teams, maybe we overestimated a few teams. Um, Hull KR looked good again, but Wigan didn't look as great as what we thought they might look. It was a shame for for Warrington um, second row Matty Nicholson because he he's been he's going he's been given that shirt. He's played twenty six minutes and come off with a with a serious looking injury, but they were backed up by. A phenomenal forward pack. That first game was what? What a game to open with if you're if you don't like Leeds and it really in it. <laughs> if, you, if you if you don't like Leeds, it was great to watch. But Leeds fans, you you must be you must be like really waiting for Luke Healy to come back and fix that fullback spot. Yeah, Leeds were just completely like dejected. They 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 knew the game was over. That, but to be fair, it it wasn't just Leeds didn't turn up like. That first half of Warrington was literally flawless. Like you say, the forward pack just completely steamrolled them, yeah. and was they were, they were just making every decision right. I, I think that's probably the best half of football that I've seen Warrington play in a number of seasons. And yeah. um, the new signings were great: Paul Vaughan, um, Sam Cassiano. Yeah. It, it was just everything was just working. They looked really nicely balanced, and Ratchford was nailing the picks. And I, I, yeah. It, I I um I could hear a lot of Warrington fans behind me that were absolutely buzzing, absolutely chuffed the bits that this is the team that they've got heading into this season. There wasn't a was it there was a few lads missing from the Warrington side as well, wasn't there? I feel like there was. Why do I feel like there was a few players? Yeah, Josh Maguire missing. Yeah, he's and he's. Um, yeah, Joe missing. Yeah. Um, and that is pretty much a lot. But you're adding Phil. Um, you're adding Philbin and Maguire into a, that. That pack, yeah. Now Nicholson's injured, so it kind of it fixes. It obviously gives someone one of them to a spot. Probably it will be Philbin because Maguire's obviously got six more games that he's banned for. Yeah, it's it's. A fun, I just can't get over how 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 bullied Leeds were in the middle of that pitch. Like, yes, Sam Lissoni came in, and you you said it. You said Sam Lissoni is good, but he's not going to be. He's not going to replace. He's not going to fix the issues they've had in the middle, but. I just don't under it wasn't it wasn't expecting it to be so easy for Warrington, quite frankly. Yeah, I think Leeds improved massively once Jared O'Connor came on at hooker. Yeah, um, I think he gave the pat. He he just like you know he didn't try and do anything special. He just he gave the ball to the right person every single time, and he you know he, he sort of he made the tempo suit what Leeds were trying to do a bit more. Um, I think Richie Myler's left me with the biggest dilemma on the planet in terms of he can't resist jumping up into the line. And putting a hit and, and being the third man in a tackle, like all he does is flop onto someone, and then all of a sudden, um, he's not there to cover. So Warrington just have to move Duff, get get Dufty, who is world class at 
you know, uh, choosing his side to attack down to yeah. create over and creating overlaps. He's, you know, they have to get Dufty have to choose where the overlap is, attack that hole, and Myler can't be used to make a covering tackle. He can't be there if there's a line break because he's he's come up into the line and effectively, you know. However, in attack, um, when Leeds did score, Jared O'Connor was finding Richie Myler, um, who was pulling strings more than Aidan Caesar was. Um, which was interesting to see. So I think that there's definitely some. I think that Leeds need a fullback, need their fullback. I think if, you know, it's the only thing I really want to see sort in. I don't think Tom Holroyd was necessarily up to scratch. Um, I think that the only thing I want to see Leeds change going forward is I want to see them play someone at fullback, but I don't think Myler deserves to come out of the team um, for what he offers in terms of his leadership and in terms of, you know, it seems to be a player that everyone feels they can rely on. Warrington, however, were incredible. Josh Drinkwater facilitated George Williams brilliantly. George Williams was at his best. Greg Minikin coming on for Matty Nicholson was was really good. He's bulked up. He looks like you know he he looks like he's coming back into his twenty seventeen sort of um, mold form. Yeah, you know he, he, he is a player who can be part of a grand final team. Um, and it's like you know he's he, he's bulked up. He's he, maybe he's considering a move to the second row. And, you know, it looks like he's going to get his chance there. And I think, and I believe in him, I really do. Um, Danny Walker was excellent when he came on as well. And Darryl, him and Daryl Clark loved playing, you know, loved interchanging as hooker. I think they were both on the pitch at the same time as well. Yeah, towards the end um, of the game, that Warrington team, they changed around mentality. They went into second row. They played yeah. with two hookers on the pitch. They But then, yeah. you, but they still had, they, at the end of the game, I think they had two hookers, mentality at second row, and then they still had... Cassiano, Vaughan, Harrison, and I forget yeah. the other, and I forget the other because they were just um, they were just on like they just had everyone on the pitch. It was like how are they oh Cassiano uh, yeah Cassiano Harrison, um, Vaughan, and mm. um, someone yeah I always forget I forget. But as I say, uh, George Williams unreal, really good team. George Williams was his absolute best, and you know you'd have to you're gonna have to be one of the best defences in Super League to stop George Williams when he's in that form. Yeah. This Leeds team last season showed us that they have that ability, but this what like they did not defend well. Um and it could have all been you know, a lot of tries they conceded sort of needed a full back to cover it up. There was one try, you know, when Danny Walker kicks over the top where yeah. Myler just slips. And if he doesn't slip, that's not a try. Um, there's a couple of times where Myler's in the defensive line instead of behind, and that's something we'll come on to. He's not the only fullback who's who's had to come into the defensive line. There's two other um, teams who lost this week who one of the tries they conceded, important tries they conceded, was the fullback was up in the defensive line covering for forwards who weren't getting across. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. But, however, I don't think... I think Leeds have got off to poor starts about three seasons in a row, and they've always ended up in the top six. Yeah, they're, so, I mean, I'm not, they're not, it's not know, a worry, is it? If you're a Leeds fan, you're not worried. You're just like, wow, no. okay, that Warrington team's just really good. Um, the only he... thing I'm worried about is they haven't got Liam Sutcliffe. And Liam Sutcliffe has always been, like, fit and playing in the centres. And he was and now, real this weekend as well. Yeah, and now they have two centre spots. And Ash Handley wants to be on the wing. Olfurt wants to be on the wing. Um, Lewis Roberts is young and untested. Liam Tindall wants to be on the wing. Um, you know, and Fusa Tua wants to be on the wing. Nanny McDonald would probably thrive on the wing, even though he's going to play centre when he plays. Yeah. The scene, it's a bit worrying that without Harry Newman, um, they don't, they're don't. they a bit, you know, um, very weak at centre, I think, um, is sort of something that I'm worried about, especially because Ash Hanley sort of didn't look comfortable defending centre at all. No they, no, they just didn't look great defensively, after, like, in general, yeah. did they? A team that did look decent defensively, and especially... In that fullback spot was it was Salford. Ryan really was unbelievable. Yeah. Brody Croft. That, that whole that Salford team we said it is exactly like Hull KR, but they've just got a little bit more talent and a little bit more go forward. But then Hull KR obviously shocked us. Like these two teams are going to be pushing for fifth, sixth, aren't they? Maybe even fourth yeah. if if they play unbelievably was, well. Very it was some performance by Ryan Briley, and like he like. Uh, every time Lee did something good, and Lockton Lamb did a lot good. Lockton Lamb actually pulled strings for that Lee team and got them way more space than they probably earned. 
Um, Josh Charney looked really quick as well for the first time in a long time. Um, and yeah, Lee had threats, but every time they broke the line, really shut it down. Um, and yeah, he like he, his his intelligence at fullback is way better than I gave him any credit for, and I was really happy to see him prove me wrong um, based off what I said last week. Um, Brody Croft was was incredible in two moments, you know, to, which which one salted the game, and I think that's definitely good to see that he's going to kick on this season. It seems. Um, I think that their pack-wise, they were fantastic. They've got forwards who are just good at hit, getting dominant collisions and getting the ball back up. You know, um, Jack Ormondroyd proved that on one of the tries. Like he, I think Jack Ormondroyd is like, I think he, sh- he should have still been a Leeds player, but he left because he wasn't guaranteed to start. And now he's yeah. really an important piece in this team. Same with Oliver Pardenton, wasn't guaranteed minutes at, at Wigan. And now he's guaranteed to start and he's hungry. And I think Solford do such a good job of that. Um, of getting hungry players and Lee actually played quite well defensively um, you know one of the tries they conceded was kind of just because Andy Ackers and Brodie Croft were just, are just so good and another one Zach Hardy because up, up filling in gaps that forward should have filled and then nobody's in behind you know it's yeah. there's nobody there and it, someone in behind doesn't mean that they're going to make a dominant hit and stop the try but if that happens and you go okay that player just needs to like that player could tackle better Whereas this is going like no, like there should have been at least somebody there to try and stop it. Yeah. That's when, you know, because I think that's the hard thing when you analyse things is there's some tries you have to just say they were going to concede that no matter what there was an overlap, the fullback was in the right place, it just didn't work out for them. Um, but this, all the other team was so good. But yeah, so again, I think Lee have just got minor tweaks to make. You know, they're only ten points off from being as good as Salford. Um, and, you know, the major difference between the two teams was Brody Croft and Andy Ackers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Robin, I'll ask you a really quick question. You don't have to go into detail. Uh, do Lee still get relegated after that performance? Because I don't think they were... I don't think they were... I don't think they were clearly relegation quality. I, thought, no. I think they've improved quite a bit. No, I, I think that um, they've got a chance of surviving, obviously. It's only round one, but that Salford team's pretty good and you know that scoreline's not terrible is it on, on another day um, the bounce of the ball goes their way maybe a ref's call and they probably get that result so I think the signs are looking um, pretty good for Wakefield uh, the, for Lee, other thing, the other thing I'd add on about Lee was that they can see they've got they, they started two sort of bigger slower second rowers in terms yeah. of Ollie Holmes and Joe Wardle yeah. Um, and when Jack Hughes came on, he made a huge difference in terms of just having agility, having speed. You know, he convinced a TMO that he would have got to a to a kick, which gave Lee their penalty try. Um, I think, and then Ollie Holmes got caught running towards his old, own goal line, facing the crowd, which is like a big no no at any level of rugby league coaching. You always run backwards to your line, don't you? Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Joe Wardle actually he was quite good. But he was still he was still easy to target because he's a bit of a slower turn and he's going to take longer to he's going to take longer to slide in defence. And I do wonder if you know Joe Warder we know can play prop. Um, maybe there's a different role for Ollie Holmes because I both think they're really good runners. But they both they were both targeted well in defence uh, well by Salford uh, in this game too. Yeah, definitely. The other game on the, on Friday night was um, Wakefield versus Catalan, and this this looked like a really really good game. But the difference between the two teams was Tom Johnston, which is, yeah, it was four, it was fourteen points, but twelve of those fourteen points come from Johnston, uh, and Adam Kieran is a centre that, or a halfback centre that can. They don't even know where he's going to play because this this team, this Catalan team, has just got so many players it can play all over the place. But fully, oh sorry, it's funny. It's funny that the the player that won Catalan this game was this player that they signed from the team that. Yeah, they signed him from like, like Tom Johnston is class, isn't he? It, I mean, he was unreal. Um, like there's one try where he'd like, well, there's two tries he scores. One where the only way they could have not conceded the try would be if Tom Lynham was quicker, and the other one would be if anyone could jump higher than Tom Johnston. Like that, you know, those two there where it's like I could pick holes in the fact that. You haven't matched up against him very well, you know. Um, maybe that you you um, your lines come a bit too high when you're expecting a kick, but that's all very sort of like if the the ball would Catalans just need to get the ball in the air 
on Johnston's wing, and he's he's got a better chance of catching it than your players. You know, they just need to get the ball in behind your winger after your full-backs had to commit to a tackle, and uh, Johnston will be there. Like, you know, it's that level of, like, you just can't really... You've just got to say, like, he might score against us today, and we've got to accept that, because he can jump higher than us, and he can run quicker than us. Um, I thought um, Kieran and Rouge were a fantastic half partnership, um, and to the point where, you know, if if this team was fully fit, you've got Tyrone May, Mitch Pierce, and Arthur Moore, who'd all be like ahead of those two in the um, in the halves. And now I'm thinking, I don't want these two to leave the halves. Um, Rouge outplayed Arthur Moore, which obviously they're in different positions, but um, Rouge brought a lot more to a, the attacking game than Moore managed to bring. Um, Adam Kieran was phenomenal at distributing to Tom Johnston, but also along that left edge, he was able to sort of interchange at centre and and five eighth and yeah, he, you know, he's just sort of he felt like quite quite an elusive runner. Um, and yeah, when you've still got Tyrone May to come into this team and you've still got Mitchell Pierce available, like there's and you've still got Sam Tompkins to come, like Catalans are looking really scary now. Um, yeah, it was a really good performance by them, and considering that their bench had like two players who haven't really played much Super League before, they did really well. Um, it was just a really good game. Yeah, it was a really good game from the perspective of Wakefield brought more than I think we thought they could. Um, Max Jowett played quite well, although he did get caught out in his defence a little bit in filling in the line instead of getting in behind. Um, Lewis Murphy was awful um, in defence. He was just letting things sit up and letting Catalan get on top of it. Um, but their pack played quite well. Um, I don't. I think Eddie Batty looked a bit unfit. Liam Kay isn't a backup hooker. Um, Morgan Smith isn't a starting hooker. But I think that when they get into their rhythm and Liam Hood comes into the team and, um, you know, maybe they have to do something like switch wings between, depending on, um, you know, so Lineham can defend the slower of the two wingers you know these kind of like minor adjustments which Applegar can sort of be given a bit of leniency I think he's got enough um, especially with the way Mason Lino played without Jacob Miller on his case Yeah, I think that they've got something this season where they can give a really good battle for to, to stay up yeah definitely and it's one of those teams where you see them battle really well with Catalan but ultimately this wasn't this wasn't a Catalan team that was full of their like main. There, there was definitely there was a few names out missing. Uh, Wigan disappointed, didn't they? And in, in that on the channel in the Channel Four game, um, but how good is how good is Mikey? Mikey Lewis was like a little pit bull, wasn't he, all day in that for, for, yeah. for the for the Rovers. But four injuries now from that game. No, I think Coop, um, Parcel. And, a, and two others are going to be missing from round two. So I'm not expecting the same whole KR performance. And this is where they went wrong. This is where they faltered towards the end of last season, wasn't it? Injuries ruined them. And they've got... Um, who have they got this week? They've got Salford. Batty Slaughter, Lachlan Cute, um, and there's two others who yeah. I'm forgetting. Reese Kennedy yeah, and one of them were all out. Yeah, and they've, and they've got Salford who were really impressive. So I'm not expecting the, a, a also, same though, performance from whole KR. That news that Hulke are four players missing and probably not going to be as good as the team which beat Wigan should not be announced on Super League's official Twitter as like a with a graphic and everything. Like, fair enough putting it on their website as like um, Hulke are to overcome to, to to try and overcome injury crisis yeah. um, to beat whatever. But they genuinely were just like they genuinely put a post up to basically imply Hulke are done. Don't predict them to win. Like, it was kind of a bit, it felt a bit like putting down a team rather than bigging them up. Like, yeah. it was giving you reasons not to watch them. Yeah, especially because this is the game that's on TV as well. Like they should be there being like, oh, who's going to who's gonna come in instead? Yeah. Which is probably, like, the best thing about NRL team this Tuesday is that we're like, oh, well, it doesn't matter that this player's injured because we've got this young kid who's going to come through and he's going to be amazing. Like, we don't know what's gonna, what whole care are going to do next week now with four players out. No, like, it, it's just silly. It's just... Yeah, I just I'm not I'm not a fan of the way we kind of promote our game, but they did look really good. Wigan didn't look amazing, but they looked like Wigan. But the I the, think the Sunday game. Why was the state? Why was this game not on telly? 
Why was Hull FC versus Cass not on? Hey, I haven't finished OKR Wigan, Brad. Oh, go on. Go on. We, do need to, we do have other things to talk about, but yeah. What I was going to say was Bev and French, Jai Field, both looked incredibly lazy in defence. Um, they both looked off the pace. They both looked like they couldn't, like they didn't really want to be the team being having pressure put on them, and they didn't really, you know, they, they had the chance, they had their chances to stop a couple of Kenny Dowell's tries, um, and they didn't really take it. Yeah. Um, and I just think that, yeah, I think that their pack didn't let them down, um, but definitely, um, yeah, I think definitely Matt Pete's gonna have some words with his star players. Yeah, it's something that they need to sit down and, and look at. Um, but like I said, why was the Hull FC cast game not on TV? Let Robin have a word, unless you've got more to say, Toby. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I thought that was weird. I mean, in a way, I'm kind of glad that it was on TV because the way they messed up the um, allocation of kits was just shocking. They, yeah, Cast go, go to play Hull FC at Hull FC in a kit that's black and white with a hint of orange. Like, what an idiot. What idiot made that decision? And we actually, I, I sent a video of um, one of the tries that, that Hull FC bombs because uh, one of their one of their players fended off his own man trying to trying to take a a, a bounce off a kick. Yeah. Because uh, in your peripheral vision, I, I'm not surprised Dan and the Macintosh couldn't tell between who was who and just you know t- didn't take any chances so that that's pretty unprofessional but yeah like quite a quite an uh, appealing scoreline and everything i think the scoreline makes it look a bit closer than it really was um hull fc obviously got got a, like a head to a, a massive lead uh, i think it was like 30 32 6 after like maybe like 60 minutes in yeah. and then cast sort of fought back and um really exposed hull fc's kind of defence that there wasn't great all game but just um kind of just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. Um but you know if if you can take anything from the fact that you allow a team to come back at you, Hull FC did hold out and I and I think that that's going going forwards for the rest of the year, I actually think that that's quite an important lesson to learn. Um and you know, Cass are a side that have got some real dangerous strike players like like Jake Marmer that, that can throw the ball about and um, when when they sort of are willing to take that risk can just completely um, tear up a defence and whilst Holesia let them do that like I say they didn't they, they did see out the game and that's quite an important lesson so I think that um, but it's one of those things that when, when this kind of game happens both both coaches are disappointed yeah um, definitely but Ultimately, uh, you know, I think that they've both got something to take from it as well. I, I totally agree. I mean, I didn't. I was. I was gutted it wasn't on telly because it was a class game. Like you said, the kick clash would have been one of the things that everyone spoke about. Liam Sutcliffe played really, really well. Dino Mastertosh played really, really well. Adam Swift got himself a double. Uh, yeah. Widdup kicking for uh, for Cass was. Um, mm-hmm was interesting because I was looking at their team going I wonder who's going to kick their goals um, because they didn't seem to have a proper t- kicker out there. I mean Turner has been known to kick goals before but that's it really obviously the whole fans gave Westerman a lot of stick throughout the game but it didn't seem to affect him apparently he didn't have didn't have a bad game at all he didn't have a but he didn't have a great game but he didn't have, have a bad game so he's obviously clo- closed that off in terms of Super League but overall really good opening weekend and Obviously, we didn't have Saints versus Huddersfield in there because Saints went and rocked the world um, in Penrith. So, moving on to the championship, though. Bradford lost... So, wait. Bradford... Widnes beat York. York beat Bradford. And then Bradford beat Widnes. Is that is that how it work, work, went? Like, yeah. This goes to show how tight it is. Um, and then, obviously, York went and lost this weekend again. Yeah. This is tight. This is this is really really tight. I mean, we knew it was going to be. There's four. There's five teams on two wins, and five teams on one win. Um, between twelfth and third, I think it's going to be really difficult to sort of see who's where. I mean, London have picked up a win, but they've lost the teams they should have lost. They probably were going to lose to anyway. 
Whitehaven and Barrow just don't look up to it at the minute, do they? No, and neither do Batley. Batley have been given the curse of yeah. uh, the podcast, you know, went on and on about how well they, they look like they're going to do. It's impossible for them to do badly. Like I went on about how it's going to be impossible for Newcastle to be, do badly. And Batley have now lost two as well, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, it's such a difficult league to predict um, and, and just sort of look at. Because we said when we when we sort of went through it, we don't know what teams are going to finish where. I just think uh, I'm not surprised that Swinton, well. Swinton are doing surprisingly better than teams thought. Uh, Halifax's win over London was probably not as convincing as what people thought it was going to be. Keithley beating Newcastle, I thought was interesting. I thought Newcastle would do better than they have done, but Keithley have now are not playing Jack Miller, and he's signed for Newcastle now. Which I thought was really in a really interesting move. They've gone for Luke Gale and Dane Chisholm, Luke Gale and Dane Chisholm in the halves, and they're not playing the League One Player of the Year from last season. So he's gone to Newcastle, and he's going to go and play in the halves at Newcastle. I think Keithley, um, we we predicted them to do quite well this year, and, and like with the signings that they made, that's really understandable. But I think if they want to make a serious attempt at making the playoffs, they really need to tighten up in defence because yeah. m- most teams in this division can score points. And the difference really is the defence. And at the moment, they're sat with the third worst points against in, in yeah. the entire division. So that's that's something that I'd really like to see them improve on over the next coming weeks. Feather, feather untouchable, aren't they? At the top of 76 points to four with 10 conversions. I think, did he only miss 14? He missed four kicks at goal. Luke Gale... Uh, Gareth Gale got himself a hat-trick Joey Lelua on return got two uh, tries from 11 different try scorers um, and Hall didn't score a try but he got 20 points from the boot this is this is a mental team at this level and if they don't if they don't win the championship something's gone terribly wrong hasn't it to lose has happened that's all that's all uh, yeah, so, yeah I mean that, that game's going to be a cracker but to lose haven't blown away teams as easily as what um, Fev have. There was a 24-4 against Barrow. Yeah, 58 nil against Newcastle but and 36 nil against York. But their home games, Fev, yeah. Fev have been beating teams pretty decently. No matter, but they're not having to travel as far. So it's like, it's tough, isn't it? it, it it's one of them where you go, okay, fair enough. But Keith Lee have lost 50 nil to Featherstone. And then gone and beat Newcastle, who got beat by Fair, by, uh, by Toulouse. It's just like, no one knows what's going on. Nobody Until knows everyone's played everyone once, it's going to be quite yeah. hard. To, I'm, just, I'm, really, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm really excited. League One, though. What's going on at North Wales? I thought they were going to win. I thought they were going to be up there, Toad. Oh, you can't expect us to beat Dewsbury. <laughs> Dewsbury, I think, for... Uh, I think no, it's a, it's a bit of a disappointing result. Um, Crusaders have been weird though. They've seemed to have signed anyone who will put name to paper, and now it's almost like they've got probably about thirty odd players signed up who are all at the same level. There's no clear. There's a lot of competition for spots, um, and yeah, I think that you know, and then on top of signing, uh, well, twenty five plus players, you've still brought in three lads from St Helens on loan who are all starting. Yeah. Um, which I, I personally don't necessarily think is great for a, a lot of the players who got told that they're going to be part of something good at Crusaders and are now being told, well, you're not as good as a guy we're going to offer a month or two on loan. Um, it's, yeah, it's uh, not uh, not too happy with that. But also, I think if it's the one game where, you know, Dewsbury for me are a staple team, you know, in, in rugby league and they're, they're kind of like, a, you know... Um, you know, a team that has the potential to be, in terms of, it's got this. It's the same kind of place as Castleford or Wakefield. You know, they just haven't been invested in the same way. It's that kind of like rugby league town, and should you know, um, should be doing really well. Should be fight. Should be fighting alongside Halifax and Sheffield, and you know, but they're not. Um, so I think that I can let it slide if things get better. Um, but yeah, I think that Crusaders have sort of ended up over, like ended up over, not no, having too many players to pick from is the words I'm looking for. Yeah, um, they're oversubscribed in terms of where, yeah. where they're looking at. Um, 
I, I, I really, I was really impressed with Hurricanes, Midlands Hurricanes. I mean, we di we didn't expect them to go over there, and I didn't expect them to absolutely batter Cornwall. Mm. I thought I thought Cornwall would offer something a little bit more um, in terms of what they offer on the pitch this year, but clearly, clearly not. Uh, Forty points to six, thirty. It was thirty-four nil at half time, and then the Hurricanes just sort of just made sure they weren't ever going to lose. But the Hurricanes have got Jason Gary Gary there. They got um, Coates from Wallace and Martin, all from um, Cass. Not Wallace, sorry, yeah. just um, just just Gary Gary played, I think, and Brad, and Brad Martin from Cass. And Wallace played, I think, yeah. Yeah, really, really good. Dual registration from them. I'm really, uh, it's 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 really good, and they've, I think they've got one from um, in the championship as well. They've got some sort of deal. In the championship, or Cass have got some sort of deal with. So Cass have got a deal with Halifax because Daniel Smith played, but Cass have also got a deal with um, Midlands Hurricanes, where lads are going out on loan or dual regging throughout the season. So really, really interested to find out how that works for them. But it seems to be work. It seems to have improved and done well for the teams that they're loaning and lending players to. You but you don't like dual registration, do you, Fred? No, I mean I just think that dual registration. It's like one week you're part you're part of one team then you're asked to go be part of the next team and then um and then you're asked to be part of a different team um and um yeah it's uh it's just a bit messy i think and i think a loan system is much more effective because at least the player knows that they're going to be the club for a amount of time and the club can plan for the same amount of time um what we're going to do with that player He's muted himself. He, I think he might have done that accidentally. Um, Robin, while, while Toby sorts himself out, what's your thoughts on um, the, the the dual reg system and how, and how that works? I can see, I can see for like um, for a team that's not benefit from dual registration, it must be so frustrating when you line up against another team in your division and all of a sudden they're like packed full of super league talent. Yeah. Oh, hello. Get your head round. Yeah. But then I think. Um, you know, it's kind of the best way to do it for the for the player that's on dual registration because it it means they can still continue to train with um, their Super League side, yeah. which is going to be, you know, they're going to have probably going to be training more, more, you know, better coaching staff, better facilities, and all that stuff. So the players continue to improve off the pitch. Um, whereas if they were out on loan or something and they didn't have they didn't have then the access to go back to their parent club, yeah, then. They're Kind of like out on a limb a little bit and potentially not improving at the same rate so it's a difficult one but I kind of think it works um, for York we've had um, we've had dual registration deals with various different clubs and players have come in and like played three four games been really impressive done a great yeah. job I wish they could stay but um, and, and yeah I don't know it's a difficult one isn't it but I think it's probably the best the best way around the issue that we've got at the moment of um, the the massive difference between what Super League can give to players in terms of development versus what they can get from a, a Championship or League One club. Yeah, I, t I definitely agree with you. Uh, Toby, are you back or are you still? I am here. You are yeah, back. you are back. Uh, that's good. That's good because it's time for your. Um sort of NRL watch I mean we've, we've had the trials now and a few a few games were a bit shocking a few games weren't I think the Dolphins personally I think the Dolphins are going to struggle from what I've seen but do you, you know a bit more about how it all how all the teams have been lining up yeah I mean the first week it's just sort of like whoever wants to run out gets to run out second week it's sort of like let's play as much of a first team as we can afford to um and yeah, so if we look at second week results, um, the Knights showed up pretty poorly. The Roosters showed up not the best. Um, I think they're the sort of only two surprises. Oh, West Tigers beat Canberra Raiders, which is good to see for their development. But there's not too much to report in terms of, I think, the teams you'd expect to win did. Yeah. Um, outside of the results I just mentioned. Um, in terms of, you know, they had this weird preseason challenge table. Um, yeah, it was, it was an odd one. And it was quite interesting. See, uh, Manly won it with 29 points. Uh, you know, how you get 29 points from two games is beyond me. But anyway, <laughs> and then Granola finished second 
with 28 points and they were the only two teams to win both games so really promising for both of those teams going into the season that they've got oh, no, deep Saints, Saints are up there to win both games but oh yeah sorry Saints won points, both of their games as well so yeah I think you know so that's promising um, if we look at the teams at the bottom you've got Canberra Newcastle Dragons Dolphins Bulldogs Warriors yeah so there's not too much you can tell from it all but I think it was just a we're going into the season. Seagulls look like a deep squad. Sharks are in the deep squad. We know they are. Um, and yeah, West Tigers look like their signings they've made may actually improve them. Yeah, I mean, that was without John Bateman, who's obviously arrived uh, getting in for round one. But Tim Machines has said, if he's not ready, I won't play him. I think he'll be in the squad, but I'm not expecting him to start. Or if he is on the team, he might be like 18th man if they need him. Some big news out of the, um, the NRL, though, is the rumoured Dom Young transfer we knew his contract was going to be up well there's two big news really the dom young one and then the mitch moses mitch moses has reportedly um not decided to sign with the tigers after he they were offered he was offered like 1.25 million a year or something or 1.3 million a year um he's chosen to stay with the eels and dom young apparently is going to bondi to play for the roosters when his contract runs out at newcastle which is a bit disappointing. I was really hoping he'd um, he'd stay at Newcastle and we'd have a little bit of an English English connection there. I don't know. I'm I'm okay with it. I think um, like re like obviously the NRL's not the same as the Super League. There's a lot of different teams that can win it, but like Newcastle has sort of like been been through this whole like wooden spoon to like oh now we're contenders and they've never really made it. And I kind of feel like. Actually, if he moves to the Roosters, he's got a genuine shot at being in the finals, yeah. maybe making himself at a grand final. And I think that's like, as a, from an English perspective, as an England fan, I think fantastic. Like, wouldn't it be awesome to have like one of our players like in one of those um, really competitive NRL sides? Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm. We've got another week to go on the NRL, so we'll, we'll dive into a lot of the teams and how teams are going to line up going into round one next week when Teamless Tuesday comes out next week. Uh, Josh, um, Josh Schuster will be out of the Eagles side with a calf injury. Uh, I'm just really, I just can't get over the fact that Saints are the best team in the world and the NRL absolutely hate it. So bring it on. One thing I, before I forget, no bans from the Super League opening round. All fines or sort of yeah, no, no bans, no suspensions. Everyone's free to play that got cited from round one. Good start. Long may it continue. So I think that's a change in the disciplinary process more than the way mm. the game is going to change. But I don't know if there's anything else. Have we covered everything? Or if so, no. Salford, another big signing. Joe Burgess has signed another three-year deal. Every week, we're gonna. I feel like we're going to announce a new Salford signing. Does it, do either of you want to make a prediction on who's next for Salford? They said to, they've announced today that they were signing another one. I think. Yeah, Burgess has signed one now for this week, this um, today. But who's who's going to yeah, be the next one? Yesterday, yeah, yesterday. Did they say yeah. they're going to bring out another one? Orman Royd has signed a three-year deal. Um, Dupree signed a contract at the end of 2025. Lafay signed a long deal, like back in December. Akers have signed a long deal. Croft signed a yeah. long deal. This squad is, they're, they're going to be up there, aren't they? They're going to be in and around there for the next couple of, um, next couple of the years. The culture maybe. at Salford must be amazing. Yeah, the culture yeah. at Salford must be amazing. And all these players are going to bring their mates now. You think about it when uh, someone like Liam Marshall or um, Liam Farrell or whatever is out of contract at Wigan. All yeah. of a sudden Joe Burst in their ear being like, come on. Do you want a year, eh? Do you want to hit you? Do you want a year with us to try and to try and push us through? I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens beyond this season, whether they can afford to bring teams in and or bring players in and stuff. Um, Hull KR are the richest team in Super League, according to Adam Hills. I was meant to do some research on this and I totally forgot because I've been super busy. But does that does that explain how they got Opacic and Kennedy? Because you questioned it last week, didn't you, Toby? You were like, "How? I wonder how these guys have come in and not the been." Opacic one especially, yeah. yeah. Kennedy's a good player today, but Opacic especially, like he must have had an NRL offer on the table. Yeah, it's it's just I want to I want to find out a bit more about that and find out how sort of how rich they really can they could be compared to other teams in the league. Um, 
But I, I genuinely think I think that's been a, a good wrap up of what's kind of happened. Nothing major to talk about. No major. Did you make some too. Oh no, that's that's this weekend. That is. Um, let's let's find those fixtures. There's lots of teams. There's lots of teams in it. Um, we'll start on all the Saturday fixtures. We've got Cornwall versus Rochdale Mayfield. Uh, Brentwood Eels have got Wathbrow Hornets. Um, I don't like to say it, but I think Wathbrow will absolutely batter them, and I can't wait. Uh, I'm not biased at all. Um, Fryston have got Stanningley at home. Lock Lane versus West Bowling is a pretty solid fixture. Saddlewood Rangers versus Stata Heath Crusaders. Uh, Ashton Bears welcome Dewsbury Rams. That's going to be a massive game at Ashton um, for them. Might and Warriors versus Lee Miners Rangers. North Wales Crusaders versus the Royal Navy. If you're a member of the uh, of the Armed Forces or a former member of the Armed Forces, anything you get free entry into that game. So that is absolutely what they're putting on for there is unreal. The Royal Air Force versus York Acorn. Uh, Hunslet um, Amateur Rugby League Football Club versus Pilkington Rex. Uh, Oral St. James versus Dublin City Exiles. And then the game that I'm most looking forward to, uh, West Warriors versus London Chargers at Twyford, Sport, uh, Twyford Avenue Sports Ground. Whoever wins this will be in round three and it will be the first time a Southern Conference League side or a team from that low of a level in the South have reached the third round. Um, I know like the Navy and that have got there before. But they're they're built. They're like they're like they've got a bit more financial backing. I can't wait. I'm, I might try and get down to that game. If you're in London, please try and get down to that game. Support the game in the south. Wests versus Chargers. I want one. Of, whoever wins that, I want them to get a big championship side at home. Um, because you know, just brilliant. Just absolutely. I think that's the best draw of the round. Love it. But yeah, that's been that's been the season episode four. Yeah, Brad, go on. What's happened now? You've missed you missed the Sunday games. Oh, the Sunday games, the Sunday There's games. More. Rochdale more. Hornets. There's uh, Rochdale Great Britain Police Westgate. Go on. Workington uh, Town Ince Rose Bridge. Go on. Old Dockers Midlands Hurricanes. Go on. Chester Oldham. One more. Hunslet Hewer. 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 Um. Are you going to go to any of them games, Robin? Are you going to try and get yourself to a to a lo what's the lo what's the closest one to you? Oh, I'm not sure. Probably maybe one of the uh, maybe the Stanley Fryston game yeah. might be the closest. But I think I'm going to um, watch the Knights on on the afternoon. But I, I know the um, the whole Dockers game versus Midlands that's on the Sportsman. So. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try like catch that in the car on the way there. Or something yeah, like Cornwall, Cornwall versus Rochdale Mayfield. I, I believe it's on BBC. You're going to go to North Wales? No, I'm going to go for a pancake after this podcast. <laughs> he thinks. He I'm thinks, not sure. He thinks. He thinks he might go. Where are you? Are you thinking about getting to a game, Tope? Uh, I don't think it's going to be possible now. Oh, see, that's just that's sad. that's made me sad now. We've got no. Well, the one o'clock game that's uh, Cash Saints that's on Channel Four this week. So that'll be a cracker. And yeah. apparently, St. St Helens on the way home have been stuck in Scandinavia due to snow. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I don't understand. Positive for Cash. Yeah, positive, positive for Cash. You might see Cash get a 15 0 win because they've got to play Saints under 16s or something. <laughs> so you never know. Um, it'll be really I'll interesting. Yeah, the Saints will probably beat them anyway. They've just got that winning culture, haven't they, at the minute? Um, obviously, some some championship games and some League One games this week. We've got Salford Hockey off Thursday night. I think it's Wigan Wakefield on TV, is it? Or is it Huddersfield Warrington on TV on Friday night? Um, I might even be wrong. It might be Leeds Hull FC. I don't actually know the Friday Leeds Hull FC. See, it was, I was totally wrong. It was Leeds Hull FC on the Friday night. Bradford have got to lose at home. That'll be a, that'll be a really interesting game. London Sheffield, I think, is really key for London to try and get their second win. And then Monday night's game, Witness versus Halifax. Really looking forward to that one on via play. Um, I looked at a trip to come to West Yorkshire in April. And mm. I realised on the 6th of April, you can watch Cass versus Wakey. On the 7th, you can do, watch the Hull, um, the Hull Derby or York versus Sheffield. Um, Castlock Lane versus Hunslet in uh, NCL Prem is on the 8th. You've got Leeds versus Huddersfield on the 9th and Halifax versus Bradford on the 10th on the Monday night. So if anyone wants a trip to West Yorkshire or Yorkshire on, in April, 
That first weekend in April is a cracking game for rugby. A uh, cracking weekend for rugby. Five games in five days. Do you know what, mate? That is fantastic. And I, I hate to brag here, but living in Yorkshire is just the best thing <laughs> ever if you're a rugby league fan because you can't you can't avoid it. It's everywhere. It's, it's awesome. It is. It, I I need to find a later time in the year where that sort of trip is possible because I, I just can't wait. Um, but it is. That's the end. They've climbed to wrap up. Um, have I forgotten? Like I genuinely have I forgotten anything? Eric Beaumont's got a leopard fetish. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Derek Beaumont's got a massive leopard fetish and it was creepy as hell. But um, on that bombshell, sorry, Top Gear, um, on that note, we'll um, we'll leave you to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for downloading, following and everything. Like I said at the start, massive, massive thank you for all the support. Let's keep going. Um, I'm expecting some guests later in the year. I mean, they're in the pipeline. Um so yeah, thank you very much. This has been the Biff. That's been Toby. That's been Robin. I've been Brad. In associations with swinging arms and shoulder charges. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>